Thanks. Um, I got a question. That's a good song. By the way, kids, I didn't do this. You're dismissed. I'm sorry. Um, forgot to do that. Um, I got a question, the song says. The film clip, wasn't that interesting? That film clip, by the way, comes from a movie called Bruce Almighty. Jim Carrey is in it and was out um, less than a year ago and uh, just really asked some very interesting questions in the movie as well. And uh, if you can handle some of the stuff in there, it's very interesting. And this man's um, in the movie, that, the man that Jim Carrey plays, and his, his struggles with God, which I think are very authentic. I mean, there are many things probably that you could be offended about by that. But I think they're very authentic because I'm very fortunate and very blessed. I was raised in a home that, that uh, taught me from the very early years to to love God and how to love God and what that meant. But, but even in that kind of a setting, there have been times in my life when I have thought, man, God, where are you? You know, I haven't said the words that, uh, that Jim Carrey said in that, in that film clip where he says, hey, God, you ought to be fired. Have I had sentiment maybe like that a time or two? Probably so. I'm not necessarily proud of that. But there have been times when I've really thought, man, God, let's, let's, get, let's get moving here. It's not how I would do this thing. Always later on to be proven with the benefit of time that God knows what he's doing. Just in case you didn't know that, I'll just kind of throw that in for you so you need to hear that from somebody that cares about you and loves you. And our theme really this morning as we talk about these ten things that make the church cringe, is it okay to have doubts from time to time? Or more, more exactly, what do you do when God seems a million miles away? And I'm using the word million there allegorically, of course. And my theme basically is principles to dwell on when God seems a million miles away. Now I want to just, there's a lot of principles we could talk about. I'm going to kind of limit this to three, three thoughts to get you to think with me. And um, we'll probably dwell more time on the last one than the first two. But just very briefly, I want to hit the first couple just to kind of get you in, in the flow of thought here with me. First thing is this. First principle to dwell on is practice positive self-talk. Principle to think about when God seems a million miles away. You say, what in the world are you talking about, Rich? Practice positive self-talk. You've been out there in Colorado for a week, and you, some of that New Age stuff rubbed off on you, and you were in the mountain too long, and ran, fell off your snowboard and hit your head, which I did. And... Uh, and you get, yeah, you know, they did something. They did something on snowboards since I learned how to snowboard six or seven years ago. They started this thing called terrain parks where they have these rails and stuff that you're supposed to go on. And my eight-year-old grandson, he wants to learn how to do that. So, hey, you know, gosh, I'm a tough guy. You know, I've done some pretty cool things in my life. I can take the rails. Man, I cracked my head sometimes. I, I, was, I didn't know if I was ever going to get up again. It was amazing. Anyway, that's not what happened with this point, just for the record, okay? I want you to understand that. Um, what's positive self-talk? Let me give you a verse or two, and then we'll talk about that. All right, Proverbs says this, and I hope this will help, help you understand where I'm coming from. Proverbs 7, follow my advice, my son. Always, this is wisdom talking. Wisdom has been personified here, okay? Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey them and live. Guard my teachings as your most precious possession. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. The, the Hebrews used to do that, actually. 
Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them, and here's the part that I'm interested in. Write them deep within your heart. Write them deep within your heart. And here's why. Here's the point that I want you to see. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. I think it's a good phrase. It's not Bible, but it certainly represents biblical teaching. You don't doubt in the dark what you know in the light. Have you ever had one of those nights, maybe more than one, where you're just questioning everything? And then the night passes and the morning comes, and I'm speaking figuratively here. It may be literally eight hours later. It may be a few days or months later. The morning comes, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, why did I ever question that? Why did I ever even think about doing that? I'm always fascinated by the study of darkness and some of the things that people get involved in sometimes in the darkness that later on, hours later, the next morning, they're questioning. Why did I do that? How did I end up with that person? And all kinds of things that go into that. My point is this. Don't doubt in the dark what you know in the light. Positive, practice positive self-talk. Here's the, here's the point. Develop a mental exercise of examining the thoughts and situations that are at that moment affecting your life. Now, just think with me on this, all right? This is going to take a little thought. Develop a mental exercise of examining the thoughts and the situations that are at that moment affecting your life. And here, I'm going to take you through a little process here. Um, I don't have this for you on PowerPoint, but uh, it is on the website for the notes. It will be there this afternoon, so you can, if you want some of these, you can get that later. Um, one of the things when you start having some of these doubts and some of these questions, and maybe it's about God, maybe it's about your, uh, uh, maybe it's about your marriage, maybe it's about, maybe it's about friendship, maybe it's about job, maybe it's about some other form of relationship, whatever. One of the things we need to do is we need to start asking ourselves: Is this a genuine thought, um, or is this something that I've exaggerated and it's become unhealthy? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Because many times it is those thoughts that sometimes enter into our minds and, and then we start building on that and we start exaggerating that and we start doing some things with that and all of a sudden we end up with something. Many times I've had the privilege of, of talking with people and, and they're just, you know, the world, according to them at that moment, is just coming apart and I'll just ask some questions. Now, now wait a minute, what, what's going on here? Is this going on? And you, and you finally start boiling all this stuff down and you realize you've kind of spun and you've kind of, You've kind of exaggerated and you've kind of changed some things. And really and truly, this is not exactly what you thought. Some of the things we worry the most about are things that never happen. You know? I don't know if you're with it. So, is this, is this a genuine thought? Is it something I've just exaggerated to the point of being unhealthy? Is it a temporary issue that will eventually fade away? This is something for some of you who are younger, particularly, um, that you just sometimes get so hung up on. You know? I wanted to, uh, one of the things I did in Colorado, is I went my, my uh, son is an assistant coach on the, on the basketball team at Steamboat, and um, we went, they were in the state playoffs, and we went to a couple of games that he had to go to, I went with him, and I watched, before they came out, they had one of the girls' final for the regionals, and it was one of these close games, and it was a couple of uh, mountain schools in it, and been familiar with them because of, of my son and Stephanie's involvement in sports and so forth, and um, and at, at the end of the game, it was one of those games came down to the last basket. 
for this girls team. This was before the, the guys were to take the court, and they were all back there. And I was just, I was just watching it, and, and a girl took a shot, and, and she missed it. And uh, like I have seen many times in my life with my own kids, um, you know, she was devastated, and they all had to hang around for the presentation of they do. I, that's cruel. I don't know why they do that. Isn't that the stupidest thing in the world? The loser has to stay out there on the court and wait for the winners to be. I mean, you know, I don't know what they're made of. I wouldn't stick around. But anyway, that's, I'm sorry, coaches. You can talk to me about that later, okay, Coach Tyson. But anyway, uh, good sportsmanship and stuff like that. But anyway, I wanted to go over to the girl, and I couldn't get just so many people I could. I wanted to go over to her, and she was just in tears. I mean, she was just in tears. I wanted to go over to her and say, hey, in 20 years, you won't remember. <laughs> you know, there'll, there'll be so many other things happen in the next 20 years. Don't worry about it. That probably wouldn't have been very comforting. But isn't it amazing how sometimes we get some of these things and we look back on them and we're like, wow, that really threw me for a loop. I thought life as I knew it had ended. And it didn't. It didn't. And sometimes... I can even look back on those things that were so hurtful and so tear-filled and be able to say, thanks, God. That helped make me who I am today. You know? So, so think about this. Is, is this a temporary issue that will eventually fade away? And, and the other thing is, are, are, you, are, you, are you doubting something that you normally, in the light of day, would never doubt? Sometimes in talking with people like that or in my own life, I just said, you know what? Scarlett O'Hare has a great little thought. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in New Jersey. That's a, that, Scarlett O'Hare was a lady in a movie called Gone with the Wind. It was about the South, and it's probably a foreign culture to you, but it's really a cool movie, and sometimes you ought to rent it and, read it and watch it. But anyway, she has a little thing, and she says it at the very end of the movie, and I, it's just a little thing. I would have run, I would have, uh, run the clip, but it was just a real quick thing. I mean, she says... I can't think about that now. I'll think about that tomorrow. And while she uses it as escapism, you know, there's a place for that too. Sometimes we think, you know what? I'm having these doubts. Maybe I don't need to think about that right now with my current. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to wait. Maybe I need to get my friend or friends around me and think about that some more when they can maybe talk truth to me. Whether that be my friends or my pastor or my, 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 my mentor or my mate or whoever it might be. Practice positive self-talk, telling yourself the truth, because we all need that. We need it with each other, and we need it for ourselves. That's the first thing we do when we start thinking about a principle that we need to dwell on when God seems a million miles away. A second thing is this. Not only practice positive self-talk, but recognize the human condition. This is really important. Recognize the human condition. And let me, I didn't... I'm going to show you some things here on the screen in just a moment, but um, let me just give you a, a quick line. The human condition, flawed, fickle, and failure-prone, okay? Flawed, fickle, and failure-prone. You know, one of the things I love at this time of year is, is just looking at all the... Whatever your, whoever your candidate is, and I'm not going to endorse anybody, but whoever your candidate is for president, Unless it's Nader, you probably don't have too much of a chance there. But, but in terms of the, of the Republicans or the Democrats, just hold out. Because whoever it is, whether it's Bush, whether it's Kerry, or by some odd thing, somebody else makes it besides Kerry, and, and they're behind in the polls, don't worry about it. Because whoever it is, he'll be ahead of the polls sometime between now and November. 
I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of presidential candidates who were 90% high and six months before the election, and boom, you know, the bottom. People, people change. A lot of things change, but people are fickle. Let me show you something in the Bible. And I'll show you this from uh, what we call the people of God in the Old Testament. In Exodus 24, Moses had announced to all the people all the teachings. This is when he comes down, and this is when he brings them the Ten Commandments. Remember that part? If you saw the movie, you know? <laughs> uh, bad when you say if you saw the movie instead of if you read the Bible. But anyway, when Moses had announced to the people all the teachings and the regulations the Lord had given him, they answered, watch this, they answered, I love this part, they answered in unison, we will do everything the Lord has told us to do. They repeat it. Let me show you. A couple of, just, just minutes later. Then he took the book of the covenant, read it to the people. They all responded again. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. You stinking liars. You're not Let me show you one of the things he told them to do before this. And you'll recognize it because it's one of the Ten Commandments. Before this, one of those things in Exodus 20, do not make idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them. Now, what did they say in response to this? At least twice, and really it was more than that. We will do everything, everything you've been made. Less than a week later, days later, watch what happens, all right? Moses failed to come down from the mountain right away, and the people went to Aaron. Look, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. Look at these guys. This man Moses who brought us here from Egypt, he's disappeared. We don't know what has happened to him. So Aaron said, tell your wives and sons and daughters to take off their gold earrings, bring them to me. And, and uh, all the people obeyed Aaron and brought him their gold earrings. Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it, tooled it into the shape of a calf. And the people explained, oh, Israel, these, these are the gods, small g, who brought you out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw how excited the people were about it, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow... There'll be a festival to the Lord. And of course, those of you who know the Hebrew Scriptures know this is what we call the golden calf. Days, days after they said, we will do everything God told us to do. What did God tell you to do? Don't make any graven images. What are they doing? My gosh. But you know what? Sometimes I'm not too different. Neither are you. We have a great time maybe in a church service. or We're praying and having one of those great experiences and just feeling like God is just right here. And then something happens here or there and all of a sudden we're like Jim Carrey was in the film clip. Where are you, God? And we just, boom. Can't get too upset with Israel here, the people of God in the Old Testament, because... Some of us still do it today. All of us do. And what's the point here? The point is this. That's the human condition. That's why God sent Jesus to save the world. Now I want to show you this third thing. Just, just, just jump right into it because this is, this, is, this, is, this is the deal. Practice positive self-talk. Recognize the human condition. But most of all, develop deep roots. Okay, here we go. Okay, develop deep roots. I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes on this, uh, but I want you to see this, and I want you to get it, and I want you to get it good, okay? Because this is really some good stuff. First thing is in Ephesians chapter 3. Let me just show you this. 
And I pray, I've seen, you've seen this verse before because I've used it before because I love this verse. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. You know, that's a good phrase. Let me read it and I'll come back to it. May your roots, watch this, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. When we recognize how much we are loved by an almighty, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent God, it changes how we live our lives. Just like it affects kids when they know they're loved or if they're not sure they're loved. Because we're all kids of a living God, created by him. I pray that Christ will be at more and more at home in your hearts. 1954, Robert Boyd Munger wrote a little, actually he delivered a sermon, they made it into a little, little booklet. It's called My Heart, Christ Home. And I love that little booklet. Because it goes, in, and, and, and I'm going to get some, so I, can, I don't have any right now, but I'll, so we can hand them out sometime. Because what he does in that little, little sermon slash that became a little book, that became a very popular thing, was he, he goes through the, 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 the person's body like it's a home. And, he, and he's very, very illustrative in talking about the fact that Jesus is coming to visit the home. And he's going through the living room, he's going through the kitchen where we prepare the things that we think on or, or digest into our system. And he goes through, and, and the whole story, and I'll, just, I'll make it a real quick story. Don't, this, is, this doesn't give it justice, so you, you, if you can ever get a hold of this, and I'll get you some, you can read it for yourself. It's just a little, tiny little booklet. I mean, you know, it's one of those little things you can do in a few minutes. But in that thing, he, Christ comes to visit, in this allegory, comes to visit these people's home, and he goes through the whole house. And he's about ready to leave, and he says, I smell something. What do I smell? And then in, in the narration, the writer is, Boyd Munger is, is going through, oh no, oh no, oh no, he knows. And then Jesus is kind of walking around the house. I smell something really rotten. What is that? And this guy is going, oh no, 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 he, he knows, he knows, he knows. And finally Jesus comes to a closet. And he says, there's something rotten in there. And the guy says, he found me out. I cleaned everything up. I took all my junk, all my, all my, excuse me, all my crap, and put it right in that closet. And Jesus found that. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to dwell in the whole house. I want to dwell in all your life. Let's open it up and deal with it. And I think that's exact, that was based on this right here. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. How's he doing? How's that working? Is Christ at home in your heart? Or is he going around in there sometimes saying, ooh, 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 something really stinks in here, man. We need to deal with that. That's what he's talking about. Now, part of that whole process is developing that, what I call these deep roots, or what actually the Apostle Paul, as we translate it in this translation, into some deep roots. And, and, and he did that. The Apostle did that. He developed deep roots. Let me show you one other passage of Scripture very quickly. Because he does, I'm going to show you something he does here, and this is going to move into what we're talking about. In Philippians, Philippians, there we go. How grateful I am, and how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me. Again, he's thanking people for helping him. I know you have always been concerned for me, but for a while you didn't have the chance to help me. Now, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned, watch this, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or on everything. You know, I can live with a lot, 
I can live with a little. I like this. He says, I've learned the secret, the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Watch this, verse 13, a verse maybe you've heard before. For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. We hear that verse quoted sometimes in places. If you're a, if you're a sports fan, Evander Holyfield used to always, uh, the former heavyweight champion of the world, used to always wear that Philippians 4.13 on his, on his robe, or on his trunks, actually. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To me, it's a fascinating, as I love to do, when you see the context of a verse. That verse has to do with the fact, I can do all things through Christ. I can get along on a little. I can get along on a lot. Being content in whatever the circumstances are. That's what that's talking about. That's depth, folks. That's having depth. Here's the, here's the issue. If we're going to talk about developing deep roots, let me give you the opposite of this. You know I like to do this from time to time. If we're going to develop deep roots, that means, number one, we, 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 we can't be shallow. We can't be shallow. Um, let me give you a quick definition, my working definition of shallow. Living in such a way that you, your internal joy, your happiness, your contentment is strongly affected by the externals. Living in such a way that your, your internal, your internal contentment and joy and happiness is affected by the externals. Those externals could be health, could be money in the bank, it could be kids, could be the job you have or don't have, could be even the weather. Could even be the weather. I was like that last Saturday night. I drove back from where did I drive back from Grand Junction, Colorado to Steamboat, Colorado, which is Normally about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, and it was about four-and-a-half hours because I was in a blizzard. And all the way I was driving, I mean, just a drop-dead bad blizzard, you know, 10 feet visibility max, elk walking around the middle of the road, you know, trying to, trying to assault your vehicle and everything else. And, and uh, uh, all the way I'm thinking there, I'm talking to my son, Chris, and I said, I hate this weather. I hate this. I never like this. I don't miss this. Get me back to New Jersey. He said, well, you've had some uh, trouble. Yeah, anyway, we didn't go there. But... um. <laughs> We have had a few, but not, not quite like that. Oh, it, just, it just really affected me. That's, that's shallow, okay? And I said that. I said, I'm being, I'm being shallow. So here's what I've done for you. Oh, a couple of quotes here, real quick. I love this from Garrison Keeler. Keeler. Um, it's a shallow life that doesn't give a person a few scars. Isn't that true? It's a shallow life that doesn't give a person a few scars. Another one from, uh, you saw this earlier. I did this a couple weeks ago, and I just like this. You can enjoy encouragement coming from outside, but you cannot need for it to come from the outside. you get that? It's great to have it, but if you need it, you're in deep, deep trouble, okay? I mean, you're in some, you're in some I thought I'd say deep, deep doo-doo, but I can't say that here. I mean, you're in, you're in big trouble if you need it to come from the outside. It's great. Okay, now let me show you this. Here's what I'm going to do for you real quick, all right? And we don't have much time, but that's okay, so it won't take much time. Um, this is what I call the shallow test. And I thought it'd be a good thing to do. You come to church to worship God. Maybe you need to take a little test. I had another quote, by the way, from Fierro. Is that your name? Fierro? Fierro. Great line that he has in Wicked. You know what it is? I'm deeply shallow. I love that line. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm deeply shallow. Think about that. All right, it, it takes a little while. Um, here's the shallow test. Here's the shallow test. Here we go. You know you're shallow if. You'll know where some of these are coming from. When you're joyously happy because you got an exit row all to yourself on a long flight. 
Guess where that was written? Wednesday. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm working on this and I got my computer going and I'm just thinking, man, I'm in such a good mood. I'm not a big fan of flying. I do, but I don't, you know, no, I don't know anybody loves it. And I'm saying, I'm so, why am I so happy? Because I got an extra roll all to myself. I am pathetic. What a, that is pitiful. You know? Second thing. Uh, you buy clothes worn by half-naked models thinking it'll make you look like them. Okay? I do that all the time, man. Go by Abercrombie and Fitch and I see that. I say, hey, I want some of those clothes. I want pecs like that, man. You know? Um, you know, it just doesn't look the same when you put them on. I just, I don't know what the deal is. That's, I'm shallow. Okay. Next thing. Traffic and other petty things ruin your day. That ever happened to you? You say, oh, Rich, now you've stepped over the line, buddy. Another thing, the weather even partially determines your mood. I already talked about that. Sometimes that, sometimes that happens, you know, just dark again. You're like, oh, gosh. All right, keep moving here. Um, your bad golf game ruins your day. Now, fill in golf, tennis, whatever your deal is. My thing is golf, and I remember one time, I remember several times, you know, getting ready to leave the course thinking, you know, just so angry. And then I'll tell you what changed my life on that. I went to Russia. They have one stinking golf course in the whole country. One golf course. I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't have the heart for it. And, and, th- and then the next time I went to a golf course, I thought, you know what? I'm so fortunate to just be here, enjoying the beauty of this around me. You know, and I may skank, and I may hit one over here, and I may hit one over there. And it may be for you, you know, tennis, it may be basketball or football or whatever. But you're out there. You're having some fun doing something. There are a lot of people in the world, that's the thing, one of the things that Russia taught me. A lot of people, it's not golf, it's not golf, it's, it's hardly anything. It's trying to survive. Kind of changed my attitude about that. Give me a little more depth. Next thing, upon reflection, you realize you treat people according to their looks. I'm getting a little more serious now, but you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Now, most of us, I, I hope, are beyond the whole black, white, brown, yellow issue. I, I, most of us are beyond any kind of racial thing. We would, none of us are so, so unsophisticated that we would hold a person's color against them. But when's the last time maybe you were more willing to speak to someone because they looked nice? Not not that they were the same. Maybe they were a different color. It doesn't matter. But they looked nice. And they spoke nice. And, and they had on a nice sweater that I just bought when Charlene was out of town. And <laughs> you guys talk to her about that. She's got a bad attitude. But anyway, um, she'll, she'll, God's going to deal with her. But, um, but you, you, they, they look nice. And, you, and you're more willing to talk to them. Seriously, though. Think about that. Person, you know, maybe the person looks destitute and Ugly, and I've told most of you the story before of how God, you know, really, really drilled my heart on this a few years ago when I was with a guy who kept wanting to go snowboarding with me, and you know, he, his face looked like he'd fallen in a tackle box, and he just, just, just everything, man. And, and and I just, sorry to my artist friends over here, but uh, um, but I mean, and and then and then when I got to know him, this guy had a heart for God. I can't explain all this other stuff, you know. I can't explain why he had every appendage on his body pierced. I can't explain that. But I can tell you he had a great heart for God. 
And it was one of those things, one of those moments, you know, one of those God moments, I call them, when God just says, you are pitifully shallow, Rich. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. So think about that. It may not be that. It may be how they look. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're really ugly. Maybe they're really fat. Maybe they're really skinny. I don't know. Upon reflection, you realize you treat people according to their looks. Next thing. Um, when you think of people, you think about their shortcomings instead of their sins. You ever do that? There's a person over there. You know, he's a pitiful individual. You know what he did one time? You may be talking about something that happened 10 years ago. Maybe somebody on TV. Maybe a celebrity or something. Maybe a friend. Shallowness is look at their, instead of saying, hey, that's one of God's created people. Who knows where they are now? Maybe God's doing some cool things in their life. Good. Next thing. You judge others by actions, but yourself, you judge by your heart. You ever do that? Uh, I, I, don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. I got a good heart. And then when it comes to somebody else, you just, you know, they did this and therefore they did. It didn't matter what their heart was. We're pretty good at that stuff sometimes. That's not good either. That's shallow. Um, one more. Um, no, two more. Your day, week, month, year is defined by what happened to you. I was in a conference some time ago. It's been several years ago. It seems like it was yesterday, but several years ago. And people were sharing. And, and I'll never forget one guy standing up to share. And he said, it's been a hard year. And he started talking about health problems and family problems and and all that, and, and it just occurred to me, and, and no, no disrespect to that person, because I think he was sincere and, and meant well, and I think he had had circumstances, a, a tough year. But, but one of the things that, 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 that hit me was, God, don't let my years be determined by my health and by good business or bad business or growth in the church or lack of growth. Don't let my years be determined by that. I, I want to live above that. I, wanna, I, I don't want to be that shallow. Because so many things can affect that kind of stuff. And if you're going to live like that, you're going to be like a lot of folks. And God never intended you to live an up and down life. Let me assure you of that. Last thing. The concept of God is at work in my life rarely occurs to you. When you're hitting, when, when all that stuff is hitting the fan and, and all the stuff is going on, you don't take a moment just to wait, 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 wait. God is at work here. It's hard to see right now. And it's hard to feel right now. But God's at work here. Because he promises us that in the Bible. He's at work. That's depth. See, that's what we need to aspire to. That's depth. That's having deep roots. And the difference is what we're going to look at from our lives. Let me show you this, and we're going to close. A couple things real quick. Getting depth. What does that mean, getting depth in your life? I've already hit on it. I just want to review them real quick. What are they? Learn to respond, not react to life. Learn to respond. Don't, don't, don't do the instant reaction thing. Respond to, to what God is doing. Ponder. You know, Proverbs 15, 28 says this way. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer I don't think that's just true. I think that's true certainly in, in, in our conversation, but it's true in life. Something happens, ponder, think through that. Lord, I don't know what you're doing here. I'm not particularly fond of it right now, but help me to see in your time what's going on. Second thing, um, be slow to judge and react to the unfolding of life's events. You don't know what God's doing. 
Third thing, believe, believe God is at work writing a story within a story in your life. Let me just show you this. You've seen this before, and I want to close with this, and we're going to stop. Um, it's a great quote from Chesterton, one of my favorite authors, the 1800s. But in order that life should be a story or a romance to us, it is necessary that a great part of it, at any rate, should be settled for us without our permission. If we wish life to be a system, this may be a nuisance. But if we wish it to be a drama, it is essential. But we should like it still less if the author came before the curtain every hour or so and forced on us the whole trouble of inventing the next act. A man has control over many things in his life. But if he had control over everything, there would be so much hero, there'd be no novel. The thing which keeps, this is good, the thing which keeps life romantic and full of fiery possibilities is the existence of these great plain limitations which force all of us to meet the things we do not like or do not expect. And I would just add to that, and God gives us the ability and the power to meet those things when we allow them to, whatever they are. Some good, some not so good, some what we define for the moment to be bad. But later on, we find out they really weren't. Let's pray together. Lord, these are, these are some wonderful things. And uh, Father God, we, I, don't, I don't know that we can totally comprehend mentally and intellectually assent to all of this without, without your power somewhere working in there with us. And Lord, I, I pray that the Spirit of God would give us strength and would give us insight and would give us understanding. And, uh, Lord, I know and, and we know that's why, that's why you gave us the Bible and that's why you sent Jesus to give us life, certainly eternally, but also abundantly, to give us the ability to have a relationship with you, Lord God, through, through Christ. And for some of us today, we need just to renew that and just say, Lord God, right here, right now, right here where I'm sitting in the school auditorium, I want to just... Uh, I just want to renew my, my trust and my commitment to you. I, I can be a shallow person, but God, I ask that you would make me a person with more depth. Help me to see things from your perspective as much as I can as a human, and help me to realize you are at work in my life. Lord, for some of us, there may be an initial time, maybe this morning, where we might just say, Lord Jesus, right here, right now, this, some of this is foreign to me, but I want to I just right now trust you. I believe Jesus came and, and died in my place for me. Went to the cross, went to the grave, rose again to give me not only eternal life, but abundant life. And I want to I just trust you right here and right now. And you can do that right where you're sitting. I'd love to talk to you about it afterwards or could direct you to someone who could talk to you about that. Lord, we thank you for this time as we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.